0: good morning good to see everyone good to have those who are joining us by way of live stream today and uh, just a reminder this tuesday at silver saints we're having mike greenstreet He's going to be sharing in song. He is Ron Heimer's cousin. And so anyway, don't hold that against him. But anyway, they were actually both at the 8 o'clock service. And so there, he's going to be sharing in song. And uh, also we're going to be catered. We're going to have our lunch catered by Pasta House. So we're going to have some white pasta, some red pasta, and some salad. So love to have you come. That will be this Tuesday at 1130. So love to have you there i know most of you do not consider yourself senior adults all right but anyway if you just want to come here to the concert hang out we'd love to have you come and join us so we're going to kind of finish up our little mini series on romans 8. again a survey was done not sure who they surveyed but these were the top six most familiar verses in the bible number one was john 3 16. number two romans 3 Psalms 23, Jeremiah 29:11, Philippians 4:13, and then we've been kind of hanging out on number 6 Romans 8:28. So I want to read it again and just kind of talk about it. So the, again, this is out of the Amplified Bible. It says, "We know with great confidence and Romans 8:28, I think most of us have memorized, we've shared it, we've had it shared to us. But I just want to slow down a little bit, and again, there's something in this verse that Paul wants us to know that we know that we know. We need to know with great confidence. And what is it that we need to know about God? He says that God who is deeply concerned about us. You know, Romans 8.28, I have to just say up until I've studied this, almost the bulk of Romans 8.28 to me was all about everything working together for good. But it's really, really important to understand the first part of this verse. As a matter of fact, now I believe this part of the verse is as important, more important than the second part. Because we need to know with great confidence that God is deeply concerned about us. If we really know that God absolutely loves us, that he's deeply concerned about us, it's not hard to trust a God that you know absolutely loves you and cares about every detail of your life. And as we shared a few weeks ago, Jesus said not even a sparrow falls to the ground without the heavenly father there. And he said to his disciples, you're of way more value than many sparrows. And so I just want you to know, before we can receive the latter part of this verse, we got to know with confidence that God absolutely cares about every detail of our life. And then he goes on to say he causes all things to work together as a plan for good. God is weaving every single thing in our life Together, that, that term work together again is where we get the word synergy, God working things together in our life ultimately to make us more like Jesus and also to glorify God. So those two things. So he's causing all things to work together as a plan for good. For those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And so I just want to remind you today, God loves you. He's working and weaving everything together in your life, ultimately for our good and for his glory. I love the verse in John chapter 5 where Jesus replied, My father is always working and so am I. I just want to remind you, God doesn't take a day off. He is always, every detail, He is always at work weaving everything together. I love the study by Henry Blackleby, Experiencing God. If you've been through that, the first principle of that is to know that God is always at work. And so sometimes I'll ask God to come and join me what I want to do, but really we just need to find where God is working and just join what He's already doing. So to know in your mind that God is always at work, And that he's working everything together for our good because he deeply cares about us and loves us. We sing a song periodically called Waymaker. I got to be honest, I I, I didn't know that I liked the song the first few times that I heard it. But it's kind of grown on me and now it's kind of one of my favorites. All right, how many of you have ever had that problem? You heard a song, didn't know if you like it. Now all of a sudden it's on your top five playlist, all right? But part of the song of Waymaker reminds us that God is always working, always working. And I love part of the chorus that says this, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. And that really is true. I want you to just read that together. And if you're at home, just read, join us. Let's read it together. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. And that really is true. Every single day, he is weaving together in our life, again, ultimately to make us more like Jesus and to bring glory to himself. Back when I was a young pastor at Gerald, there was a, an older man in our church named Marion Mishler. I don't know how old Marion was. I was about 22 years old. I was really young, very green. But this guy was one of those silent giants in my life. He's one of those guys that didn't talk a lot, but when he did speak up, everybody sat and he listened. Marion was a POW for our country. He hardly ever talked. Matter of fact, I never really got to hear about what he had to go through as a POW, but I know it had to be pretty tough because he never ever talked about it, and Marion had lost his wife. His daughter developed bone cancer, and so he actually took his daughter into his house, and he began to take care of his daughter and her two children. So here's Marion, who had been a a POW. He's uh, later in life, brought his daughter in to take care of her, also had her two daughters, and so he would take care, and there were so many things that he had gone through. And I remember Marion used to say to me, when, when he was facing something he did not understand, Marion would always say, we're going to have to hang that on a nail. As a church, man, we'd be up against something that we didn't know how to deal with it, and he'd always say, I guess we're going to have to hang that on a nail. And what I come to realize what Marion was saying is, we're not going to understand everything on this side. There are some things we just got to put it on a nail and trust that God ultimately knows more than we do and that God absolutely loves us even when we don't understand. How crazy is it that 40 years later, I can still remember and still hear Marion say to me, got to hang that one on a nail. Over the years... I've hung a lot of stuff on nails. This is this, is this year's, right? Here. I just thought I'd bring you part of a year's worth. And by the way, some of your names are on this. I mean, there's things going on. And I know people say, well, let's talk to the pastor about it. And I, I don't know any more than you know. And when I'm done talking to you, I put it on a nail just got to trust God. Because, I mean, in honesty, you know, there are some things that God lets us in time. There are some things we go through that we look back and we say, yeah, I see what God was doing there. But there are other things, even to this day, I'm 64 years old, there's some things I look back, I still have it on a nail because I still don't understand what God was doing. But I know life is crazy. I quote Job a lot when Job said man's days are short and full of trouble. Because we have something in common, life is not easy. And most of us, now maybe we didn't call it that, but most of us have stuck, hung a lot of things on nails. And again, that's kind of what Romans 8, 28, we got to believe that he loves us. If we really know that he loves us, we just got to hang it on a nail. And even though I don't understand, I know that he's always working. I know that he loves me. And I'm just going to trust that he's weaving everything together. That's faith. That's knowing that your God absolutely loves you and nothing comes your way. Unless again, it's ultimately for our good and for his glory. You know, again, I love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, it says, Right now we see through a mirror dimly. We're not going to understand everything in life. I mean, there's things you're not going to have answers for, and that's where you got to just hang that on a nail and trust God. But one day in the road of life, as I mentioned, sometimes as we travel down the road of life that we have an opportunity to look back again, and we can see part of what God was doing. And if we had time to talk today to everybody to get up and share, everyone here could share a story where you went through something, you didn't know why you were going through it, you didn't understand it at the time, but you can honestly look back and see where God was working, all right? A few examples, one we've already given a few weeks ago, and that was Joseph. You know, Joseph being sold as a slave by his brothers, that had to be pretty brutal. I mean, it had to be so rough to be sold as a slave by your brothers. And so he goes off to Egypt, and he spends about 12 to 15 years going through all kinds of valleys, spends a lot of time in prison. Ultimately, God blesses him. Ultimately, he becomes second in command to Pharaoh. And we know the story. There was a famine in the land. And because of that, his brothers came to get some grain. And he recognized his brothers. Now, how many of you could have a little fun with the brothers? I know you guys are spiritual. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't think about it. I probably would think about it. All right. And so he he did have a little bit of fun with them. But he could have had really a lot of fun. He could have got even with them. He could have made them all slaves. I mean, he had that in his power. But notice what he says when he finally reveals himself to his brothers. He said, it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. Can I tell you that? That's a lot of wisdom to know that even though people mean something for evil, God will use that to get you where he wants you to go. How many of you have ever had any heavenly sandpaper in your life? People that rubbed you the wrong way. Don't look at your spouse right now, all right? This is not a good time to look at your spouse, all right? But we have heavenly sandpaper. Well, God, why are they in my life? It's so funny because I get to go to churches over the years and almost every pastor will say to me, Roger, our church could go so much farther if it wasn't for this guy or this couple. Never do they say, I'm the problem. I'm just telling you, everybody God brings into our life, all the heavenly sandpaper, the people that rub us the wrong way, God is trying to get us where we are to where we need to be. And I love how Joseph had that view, it wasn't you who sent me here, it was God. Man, that, that's a positive attitude right there. I mentioned Brian a lot. Brian always has something positive to say on Facebook. I mean, that's is positive. I mean, take everything in life and know that God is is ultimately working everything together for his good. And then there's Paul. Talk about a guy who suffered. I mean, in Acts 9, remember when he got saved on the Damascus Road? And and God sent Ananias to him to help Ananias. I just want you to know he's going to suffer dearly for my namesake. How many of you, if you got saved, how many of you remember when you got saved? I have never, ever in my time, I have never ever said to anybody what Ananias said to Paul. But Ananias, God said to Ananias say to Paul, you are going to suffer greatly for my name's sake. How many of you would love to hear that the day you got saved? Man, you are in for a lot of suffering. And, and, and Paul went through a lot. But he was able to look back at some point in his life and realize that all of his suffering ultimately made him more like Jesus and glorified God. Listen to what he said here in 2 Corinthians 4. After describing being beat down, knocked down, being chased, he says this, he describes it as a light affliction, which is but for a moment. I mean, he described everything he went through as a light affliction, and it's only for a moment. But he says it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He said, man, everything Satan is throwing against us is ultimately for my good and for his glory. You know, if we could take life that way, it's no wonder why James said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I'm being honest. I have never thrown a party because I was up to my eyeballs and problems. But James says, count it all joy. God is up to something in your life. If he's weaving all this together, ultimately, again, we have to know that he loves us. He cares about us and everything that comes our way. Everything Satan means for evil, God can use for good. Isn't that pretty cool? God can turn around everything Satan does for evil, and God can use that for his glory. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 11, again, he describes all the different things he went through in his life. And he went through a lot. I mean, if I was going to go hang out and travel with somebody, it would not be Paul. I'd want to go, you know, most of the time, now evangelists, they check out the, the local motels and see which one's the nicest. He had to go check out most of the prisons because that's where he would end up. I mean, he was beat. He was pursued. He went hungry. He went thirsty. He was in the deep. I mean, he went through so much. And he says this at the end of and he, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 22 through 33. He says, if I must boast... I will boast in the thing which concerns my uh, infirmity or my weakness. He says, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows I'm not lying. Because when you hear that, you got to think, that guy cannot be telling the truth. How could he boast in all of his struggles, in all of his weakness? How could he boast in that? Because he discovered that when he is weak in the flesh, then he is strong in the spirit. As as everything Satan threw against him was only literally helping him accomplish God's purpose in his life. I think about the darkest hour ever on this planet, and that was the hour that Jesus got killed. I can't think of a more brutal, a more dark hour. As a matter of fact, there was darkness over the earth for several hours. Can you imagine anything darker than killing God? I mean, the Son of God, God in the flesh, Satan, man, put all the forces of darkness and they nailed him on a cross. Undoubtedly, Satan was having a party. He had killed God. And what was his darkest, most evil hour ended up being our greatest victory. I mean, now you look at a cross and it's a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of life. It's a symbol of eternity. I mean, everything Satan threw at him, I mean, his biggest hour when he killed the Son of God, turned out to be his biggest defeat. Paul went on to say there in 1 Corinthians 1.18, The message of the cross is foolishness or folly to those who are perishing, but to we who are being saved it is the power of God. God used the most dark, the most difficult hour ever to be the one of the most greatest moments of all eternity. And I just want to tell you, I don't know how God does that. But he uses times of suffering ultimately again to help us grow to become more like Jesus and to bring glory to him. How many of you think God trusts us way too much? I mean, all the things we're going through you say, why, why? But, but God is again weaving everything together. Here's a young man I want to introduce. His name is Blake. Uh, He lives around the Gerald area. He's 31 years old. Uh, I've had the privilege of knowing him for the last 12 years. When he was 19 years old, uh, he was a wrestler in high school, extremely athletic. He had graduated from high school, getting ready to start college. I think he'd already started his first semester of college. Went out deer hunting as a lot of country boys do and he fell out of the tree stand, and he became a quadriplegic at the age of 19. And he became, I know he struggled with some some discouragement, some depression, as any of us would, but, you know, he began, to, to, you know, obviously his family loved on him. He began to come to church a little bit. He used to come to the Gerald campus some, and, and I was there one time when he came, and he would come up in his wheelchair, and I back pre-COVID, man, I'd always give him a big bear hug. i
1: said, hey, Blake, how you doing, man? I love you, man.
0: And I'd just kind of be an encourager to him and love on him. And, and one day I reached out, and I was hugging on him and loving on him, and my hand hit the forward button of the wheelchair, and he ran over my foot. How many of you know those things are heavy? And he started laughing. And after I cried for a little bit, I laughed with him. But I love Blake. I love this guy. I love his heart. Well, down at the coffee shop down in Leslie, they have a Wednesday morning Bible study. And Blake and his grandfather have been attending the Bible study. And and the guy leading the Bible study had some uh, physical problems, and so he wasn't able to teach. He's still not able to teach right now. And so somebody looked over at Blake and said, Blake, why don't don't you teach? And to everybody's surprise, I think, and maybe to his surprise, he said, yeah, I'll I'll give it a try. And for the last two weeks, guess who has led the, the Wednesday morning Bible study down at the coffee shop? Blake. And Ron, was, Ron Spurgeon was sharing this at staff meeting. And Ron, you know, if you know Ron, Ron can't talk about anything without crying. And Ron, like a big old teddy bear, man, with tears in his eyes, he said after Blake taught, maybe the first or second time, Blake said to him, you know, for the past 12 years, I've been on the receiving end, which is understandable. But he said, for the first time, I feel like I'm able to give something back. I'm gonna skip staff staff meeting one Wednesday. I'm gonna go down there and hear him. I love that guy, and again, he can look back at least see. I know there had to be some dark, dark days and weeks and months. I don't know how God wants to use this guy. I hope to have him here some Sunday. I'd love to have him come and share his testimony. But that inspires me, man. Blake has been an inspiration to me. So I appreciate this, brother. I don't know what God has for him, but I think God is gonna have great things in store for Blake. So sometimes, again, we're able in time to look back and see what God is doing. Sometimes we're gonna have to wait till we get to heaven. Now in heaven, we're gonna get excited. But here's the best part. Don't miss this part. Here's the best part right here. This is the most important part of my sermon right here. One day in heaven, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, one day we're going to get to turn and see God face to face. Did you get that last part? That was the most important part of my sermon.
1: I know in heaven, it's going to be
0: exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing my mom. I'm looking forward to seeing some nieces. My dad. But to be able to see Jesus, see God face to face. To see the Shekinah glory of God. I believe one day when we see God, the Bible says we're going to know even as we're known. If we don't understand it all on this side, I'm going to die with about a dozen of these in my casket. But when I get on the other side and see God face to face, it'll all make sense. God, why didn't I see that you were weaving all that together, ultimately for my good and for your glory. Romans eight twenty eight will never be the same for me. Because we have to know that he absolutely cares about us. If we, if we, don't, if we doubt his love for us, we're going to doubt that he's working everything together for our good. But one day we're going to understand on the other side. So, sometimes we gotta put it, we gotta hang it on a nail, and it doesn't mean we're always gonna understand on this side, but I guarantee you when we get to the other side, we're gonna understand. So, you just gotta trust God. You gotta put it in God's hands and believe that God knows what He's doing and God knows what's going on in life. Hebrews 11 is a great chapter. I've heard it preached a lot, talked a lot about faith. Well, in Hebrews 11, starting about verse 32, the writer of Hebrews realizes he's running out of time. He's got so much more to talk about, but he doesn't have enough time. He says time would fail. And then he begins to talk about people who subdued kingdoms, who stopped the mouths of lions, who were valiant in battle, quenched the fire, obtained promises, raised from the dead. I mean, that kind of stuff gets me excited. How many of you like to raise somebody from the dead? Not your heavenly sandpaper, but somebody you love. I mean, to, to stop the mouths of the lions, how cool would that be to come to church and have that testimony? But then he goes on, after talking about all these positive things about faith, he has a, it has a comma, and it goes on to say this. The other side of faith. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were cut in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in desert and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise on this side. Now, if I can be really transparent, I would rather conquer a city by faith than get cut in two by faith. Can I just be real? I would rather stop the mouths of lions than to be killed with a sword by faith. But I'm just being honest. I mean, sometimes we get those mountaintops. Other times there's going to be things happen that we aren't going to know on this side. But when you hang it on a nail, you're saying to God, God, whether I ever understand on this side, I am trusting you. I'm putting my faith in you that you know what's going on when you're weaving all this together in my life. Boy, Romans 8.28 is one of the greatest verses of faith anywhere in the Bible that you can truly give to God and trust God when you don't know what's going on in your life. Revelation 19 maybe one of my greatest uh, examples of this right after the tribulation which is really going to be seven years of hell on earth i mean as bad as it's been and some of you have been through some hell on earth i mean the last seven years literally satan is going to unleash the fury of hell on earth and man, so much of that would be hard to understand how god could be using all that evil that satan is throwing out but at the end of the tribulation, there's this hallelujah chorus, and this is what inspired the hallelujah chorus, by the way, Revelation 19. It says, hallelujah. And by the way, can you just read it with me? This is one of those verses that you got to be happy. All right, so get your happy voice, happy face. However, you can best give me a hundred percent. All right. Now this isn't one you squeak. I'm about ready to squeak because I'm losing my voice, but I'm gonna go out shouting today, all right? So I want you to give me your 110%, whatever your best is. I've seen you guys at football games. I know you get with it. All right. A hundred percent, all right. They're looking back after being looking back on earth, everything that's gone on, and they begin to praise God for his goodness. So here we're gonna do it together. How many of you are ready? All right, how many of you are excited? You still came. All right. So here we are. If you're watching uh, by way of stream, just shout wherever you are. Doesn't really matter. Just shout. All right, here we go. Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord, for true and righteous are his judgments. And I think they were high fiving each other. Woo! Woo! From the other side, looking back. Can I tell you, going through the truth, it would be such hell on earth, but looking back from the other side to say, true and righteous are your judgments. I know one day, everything you've hung on a nail will make sense on the other side. A couple personal examples I've shared over the years. Uh, when I was probably about 12 years old, my, this was my first niece ever, Cindy, Cindy Burns. She was born February 1st, 1968. She passed away a little over three years later. She had a brain tumor. And I can remember as a you know, 11, 12 year old boy, I didn't understand how in the world a three year old could die. And I tell you, she's one of the first pieces of paper I've ever nailed, hung on a nail. I had no idea why anything like that would ever happen to a three-year-old young lady. About a year later, my mom died. So these are the two headstones. Uh, they're buried side by side. I had the privilege of going to the graveside about three years ago, and I noticed that Cindy never did get a headstone because they, my, my sister couldn't afford to, to put a headstone on there back in that day. And so it just kind of tore my heart up to think little Cindy never got a headstone. And so I got with Gary here and we, we went out. I, I bought, we bought a headstone and went out there and Gary helped me put the headstone in. So the headstone looks pretty new because it is. But y'all, you know, there's so many things in my life that I don't understand. There's so many things on the nail that I haven't been able to take off and know what God is doing. But one day in heaven, I believe I'll be able to sit down with Cindy and just find out what's going on. Another one very similar, when I was a young pastor, Tiffany Stoker, uh, Jim and Mary Stoker had three young boys, and they always wanted a girl. And one day, God blessed them, she became pregnant, found out it was going to be a girl. And back in that day, they didn't let the husbands go in the delivery room. So Jim sat outside. And so I sat out with him. And so I was out there in the waiting room with him. And I mean, how many of you know parents and grandparents get a little goofy at that time? And so I was out there and I remember the doctor coming out saying, you got a baby girl. And I mean, Jim Stoker, you could not imagine how big that grin was. They finally got their baby girl. They had three boys. Now they had a little sister, and, and man, there was just so much joy. And about two or three years later, they found out, they discovered that, that Tiffany's heart had a defect. It was either backwards, I can't remember exactly what it was, but they were going to do surgery on this young Tiffany and try to correct it. They believed they could correct it. And so again, as a young pastor, I sat in the waiting room with Jim and Mary as we waited for them to operate on Tiffany. I can still remember to this day when the doctor came out. And you know when they come through the door when it's not good news. And I remember sitting down with Jim and Mary and the doctor. They allowed me to sit in there with them. And the doctor said that Tiffany didn't make it. I'm telling you, man, I had no answers. I had no answers. I did lose a niece, Cindy, but I had no answers. By the way, on the same day I did Tiffany's funeral, I did another funeral, two funerals on the same day. The other guy was a guy about 45 years old. His wife came to church faithfully, but he never came. And he was on the hit list. We would always go visit Glenn and always try to get him, but he never had time for church. And one day he went out hunting. He went out turkey hunting, and he was behind some bushes calling some turkey. However you do that, I'm a city boy, I don't know how to call turkey, but he was calling turkey. What he did not know is there was a couple guys from St. Louis out hunting in the same woods who should not have been hunting because they heard the sound of that call in the, in the bush, and they shot into the bush. And they took Glenn to the hospital, and I remember he was just covered on the front side with buckshot. And he was not conscious at all, but I I remember still, I I, I knelt over, I stood over Glenn, and I I shared with him the gospel, because sometimes they can hear and they can't respond. So I remember I'm sharing the gospel, hoping that, beyond hope, that he can hear me, and that before he takes his last breath, that he accepts Christ. But Glenn did not make it either, and on the same day I had Tiffany's funeral, I had Glenn's funeral on the same day. For a young pastor, that's a lot. But at the graveside of Tiffany, I remember Mary said this to me. As we got done saying the prayer, before we walked away, she said, this motivates me to live faithfully for Jesus every day. Now, I've got to tell you something, I didn't understand that. And I I said as a young pastor, Mary, I, I really appreciate you saying that, but how could you say that? Why would you say that? How is it possible that you could say that? And she said to me, in the the broken heart of a mom, she said, it makes me so want to live for God because when I die and step over to the other side, more than anything, I want Tiffany to say to me, Mom, I'm so proud of you. I remember that. That's one of the greatest sermons I've ever heard at a funeral. Some years back, I heard word. That Mary Stoker had stepped into eternity. And you know what I thought of? I thought, man, she got that day to be reunited not only with Jesus, but with her daughter Tiffany. The song Waymaker, and and again, it's a great song, and I, I put together some things that over my time, some of the things we've experienced as a country that I don't understand why evil seems to prevail at times. I don't get it. I don't understand why children suffer. If you've ever been to a children's hospital, it's probably one of the hardest, most gut-wrenching things. But yet, ironically, many of these kids who are terminally ill have an unbelievably positive spirit. I just want to share this, uh, and, and I believe that each of us have things in our life That again, we're either going through, we've gone through, or we will go through. That we're just going to have to hang it on a nail. We're just going to have to trust God and believe again that God loves us. Nothing would come our way unless it's first come through him. But I don't have all the answers. I know people say, let's go talk to the pastor. And I'm being honest. You guys probably have as many answers as I do. I just know that God is faithful. And so many times I've, I've just hung something on a nail just trusting God somehow that God can work it out. I think you guys have read Friday, we were still trying to put together my stepmom's funeral. We were going to do a graveside. She didn't want a funeral at all. She just wanted a graveside. And so we had two days picked, and both days were horrible with weather. And so we were going to reschedule. And so Friday, uh, Courtney texted me and said, do we know when grandma's funeral is? I said, well, let me check. And so I text my stepsister, the only child of my stepmom. I said, hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, Do you have any idea when the... The, the graveside service will be. That was at 11.15. I got a call from my brother at 12.30 on Friday. He said, you're not going to believe this, but Renee went out for a walk this morning and fell over of a massive heart attack and died. She died at, at 9.30, and I texted her at 11.15. Hope you're having a good day. Her kids got her phone. I called her kid. I didn't have her daughter or son's number, so I called Renee's number, and sure enough, they had it. They answered the phone, and they said, it was so weird when we got into our mom's phone, and we saw your text. Hope you're having a wonderful day, and I said to her daughter, you know what? I believe she's having the time of her life, but that, I mean, I had no idea when I texted that that she had already stepped into the arms of Jesus, And so this week, her two kids are going to the funeral home at 1 o'clock today to make funeral plans. And this week, we're going to have a funeral for my stepsister and my stepmom on the same day. I believe in a crazy sort of way. I'm just praying God comes down and just loves on these two kids that are left and just encourages them I hope you listen to the words of this song, and I've got some clippings over the years of things that have happened in our country, some of the suffering of children, some of the things that I have no answers for, but yet I'm trusting my Heavenly Father. So listen to the words of this song. Feel free to sing along. And as we just celebrate an incredible God who loves us unconditionally and is never going to give up on us, listen to the words. Us to have just a moment of invitation, and if you're watching by way of stream, you can join us. If you have your bulletin, I want you to take your bulletin, and, and the part of the bulletin that you can tear off, on the bottom part of that, there's a little part that says, stick it on a nail or hang it on a nail. I'd like for you to tear that off, if you will. Just take a moment, just tear off that bottom part, and it should be kind of a blank box. I want to ask you today... And and maybe most of us, if not all of us, have already hung that on a nail. But I want you to think about something that you have gone through, something that you're going through right now that's really beyond what you can comprehend. I want to ask you by faith, and you don't even have to write on there. If you want to write on there, you can. But as you tear it off, and you'll notice some pieces of paper up here on the front, and I ask people in the early service, Maybe you're here today, and you've just gone through something, or you're going through something that's just so mind-boggling, but by faith, you just want to hang that on a nail and just say to God, God, I am just trusting you. God, I I don't get it. I don't understand it. But by faith, I want to just hang that on a nail and just believe that you love me, you care about me, and that you have everything under control. One of the greatest acts of faith is to take that which you don't understand and to truly give it to God and just really know that He loves you and that He's working everything together. So I want us to stand together if we can. And as David plays softly, I just want us to have a moment of invitation. And if you're here today and maybe for the first time in your life, you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Man, this would be the greatest day of your life to open up your heart in life and realize that he died for you, ask him to forgive you and to come into your life. And I believe he will honor that. But I'm asking you, as David plays softly, if you know something that you have gone through or you're going through that's way beyond what you could ever comprehend, to come and just lay that piece of paper up here, somewhere up here on the altar, and just say to God, God, by faith, I'm just giving it to you. One of the greatest acts of worship is to worship God when we can't see it or feel it, but yet we are trusting that God has everything under control. I just want you to feel God love on you in a special way. He could not love you more. He cares about every detail of your life. One day when we stand face to face with God, it will all make sense. So as David plays softly, if you need to slip out and come and just drop a piece of paper up here or just right where you are, take a moment and just let God reach down and just love on you. If you need someone to pray with you or pray for you, we would love to do that. So let's just take a moment and let's just love on God and let's acknowledge, let's know with confidence that He absolutely cares about every detail of our life. And that he is weaving together all the craziness of life for our good and for his glory. So I want you to feel God reach down and just love on you this morning. I know we're a little bit over time, but that's okay. I want to have a word of prayer, then David's going to close us with a song. As I look out today, I just, I know there's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of struggles. The fact that you're here today, man, just is really just an incredible act of faith. I hope every day I can just keep hanging that on the nail, and one day in heaven, somewhere down the line, I hope to get along with, with Marion and just say to a man, thanks for your gift of faith can't wait to see Cindy. I look forward to seeing Tiffany, my stepmom, my mom, my dad. One day when we see Jesus, man, it's all going to make sense. I just want to experience some of it on this side. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for my brothers and sisters. And God, some of them maybe are at feel like they're at the end of their rope. But I pray that today, that you've given them hope. Lord, I just pray by faith that we would begin to hang those things on a nail, and just by faith know and trust that you're gonna take care of it. I just speak peace and blessing, Father, to everyone who's listening to my voice. I pray that they would feel you reach down and wrap your arms around them and just fill them with your spirit. Teach us how to find grace in the middle of our trials. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.